Hello, everyone. Welcome to the continuation of this conversation we've called Transforming the World Through Reflection. This time again, we are going to invite the perspective of artists as we explore how the experience of the pandemic intersects with social injustice. My name is Melissa Shepard Williams. I'm a psychotherapist and a professor, and I'm very thankful to be here in the presence of these wonderful friends who continue to inspire me with their work. And uh, I hope they invite you into reflection. So let me introduce you to my dear friend, Tifei Griffin. Tifei is an artist with such a wide range of experience. We would be here all day. Tifei is a writer. She's a two-time NAACP award winner. Her work is in TV, film, radio, stage, live events. Um, she's inspired so many and even in work with children in this process of developing their sense of creativity. She's also lectured at the Writers Guild of America, being a, an amazing writer. Uh, comedy, retired performer in the community of comedy, and always making me giggle. <laughs> and, and also uh, visual arts. So, so much is unfolding for Tifei, and, and I can't wait to hear more about this. Now, let me introduce you to William Haddad. William is a psychotherapist who is also an artist. We met uh, through our work together at Pacific Oaks College, and um, William uh, specialized in trauma studies. He currently works at an agency called Advanced Cognitive and Clinical Solutions. His art background is in film. So our conversations uh, in clinical work always involved film, always. Now let me introduce you to my dear friend, Kimiko Warner-Turner. Kimiko is a theater education uh, professional, and she has many years of experience in the work done through Theater of the Oppressed. She was trained by the creator, Augusto Boal, and um, we've had opportunities to collaborate. I am so thankful for all the learning that's happening. Kamiko uh, has been part of workshops we have done together. She leads us in movement. Kimiko has been uh, a presenter in, in clinical training. And it's been such an essential part of the process of uh, learning about healing through body work. So I am excited that you're here today so we can talk about this too. Now, let me introduce you to Dairen Santa Maria. Dairen is a wonderful friend and violinist from Cuba. 
and she has uh, such vast experience with artists in classical music, jazz, salsa, Cuban folkloric uh, music, and she's played with the most renowned artists in the world. And so what a group today for us to explore, you know, what we're going through in this world today, what a 2020 we've had, and to hear it through the perspective of the artist. So shall we jump in? All right. Well, Tife, uh, would you please start us in this reflection? I am really interested to hear about what your reflections have been through this experience we're all going through in the world. Well, um, I'm very transparent, as you know, and so I, I'm not one of those women that have a problem telling my age. Uh, next month, I will be 61 years old. And mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, so this is not my first time at the rodeo. Uh, I was actually alive and have recollections of the Watts riots of 1965. Obviously, I was alive and well in 1992 during the LA riots. Um, and so this is, this is nothing new, but somehow it feels new. It feels different. Um, and I, I attribute it to the fact that we've never seen this much diversity in the fight. Um, the, the numbers and the diversity of, of allies that have come alongside um, black people, brown people and said enough is enough. Um, is my biggest reflection on the differences um, between 1992, the LA riots, and now. And I'm of the school, I'm, you know, my primary gifting is writing. And as a storyteller, I, I'm well aware that every story has a beginning, a middle, and end. Everything in life has a beginning, a middle, and end. And so I'm feeling like, if that is a truth, a universal truth, why can't systemic racism have a beginning, a middle, and end? And I am prayerful that we are seeing the ending or the beginning of the end. Um, and it may not all take place in my lifetime, but I just feel this shifting. I'm seeing this shifting in, in a global mindset concerning racism. Well, I so pray that this shift is like no other, especially because like you said, uh, with, with the history of protests, um, not only here in the US, but in other countries, there's something about this experience of protest that feels like a, like a special turning point. There's such a diverse group of people out there screaming for social justice. Absolutely. And I think the commonality that this time of, of, of unrest has with the others is that young people are leading the charge. What's different is the young people. Mm. The young people in the civil rights movement, um, young African-Americans, 
um, you know, some educated, some uneducated, as is today. But I think the, the youngsters of today, and I say youngsters because I'm an old lady, um, is that they have a world view, a global view that perhaps the youngsters of the 50s and 60s did not have. And so that makes their fight even more intense, um, even more organized, um, and, and I believe even well-intended. It's not just about changing things for uh, Black Americans, which is the focus, but for all Americans. And I think that's the big difference between now and then. Wow, thank you for mentioning that. It's a reflection that I had not considered and I need to go deeply into. There is something uh, different about being young now than it was during the time of, uh, you know, protest decades ago. So much has uh, transformed in the world, even if uh, sir, you know, systemic oppression persists, but there have been changes that give an, uh, an, ad an additional perspective to the youth protesting out there today. Thank you for that. Um, very important point. I'm wondering about uh, your thoughts on this also, William. Yeah, absolutely. It's no understatement to say that this is an unprecedented time and we're watching history unfold. One thing I, I would to you know piggyback off of um, uh, Faye's comments is the difference in perspective, I think, with the youth of uh, today's generation. And I think a big part we can owe to what Faye was talking about with their, um, their increased diversity, the more uh, worldly perspective or kind of the more collective approach that a lot of the a lot of these protests a lot of these voices and outcries are taking is the shift in technology and global connectivity uh, I was born in you know 91 just on the tail end of the analog era I'm just old enough to be you know say yeah I had cassette tapes and VHS's but it wasn't long before that that was completely gone and at this point now, almost 30 years later, you, you have an entire generation uh, who are now, you know, coming of age or already have come of age, who grew up only knowing the wonderful, you know, extraordinary environment that is interconnectivity, global interconnectivity through the power of technology, whether that be social media, whether that be studying abroad in college, whether that be... Uh, just you know the the wealth of ways to understand and experience different types of culture over the internet or what have you that is something that you know i think is important to account for when looking in at the way people approach collective problems in society right. and th there's no doubt to my mind that that is playing a role in determining uh how the people who are at the core at the heart of these protests and these calls for change are tailoring their approach very true, very true. It's, it's interesting. And, and uh, even though, like you said, you were at the tail end of analog time, uh, you know, it's interesting to see, this is just a parenthesis, that there's quite a bit of analog technology that's uh, re-emerging. <laughs> um, but 
anyway, it, it's, it's true that the technology that we have available now makes it possible to be uh, better aware of what's happening. And this is part of what galvanized the world community to protest. All these injustices that uh, have been known for years and years um, now get filmed and seen worldwide. You know, we were witnesses to injustice and it couldn't be denied. So technology definitely plays quite a role. Um, something that we've been also reflecting on is the idea that the pandemic uh, causing this quarantine to be ongoing um, is not experienced in the same way by everyone. Because although we are at this stage of technology, not everybody has access to this technology uh, so that they could carry out things like telework or school on screen, schoolwork on screen. Um, and that, again, speaks to uh, unequally distributed resources that are evidence of this systemic oppression. You know, um, I'm wondering Kamika, what your thoughts are about what it's been like to go through this quarantine um, where not everybody has the same resources to move through it. Um, my, <laughs> my views get stronger and stronger and more emotional about this. Um, I don't think that there has ever been a time in education that I've witnessed um, that there has been a growth in inequity. And mm -hmm. I fear for the inequity that's going to continue um, next year. And that, and, and that um, uh, is because like you say, this uh, the lack of technology, uh, access to technology um, that people are experiencing right now is uh, is really apparent, um, and the fact that during this pandemic we have children that are um, at home and many many more latchkey children. We will be going into September with latchkey children. And, um, <laughs> you know, it is hard for children to be online to um, take instruction um, through, through Zoom or any other platform for a long period of time. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm very, very concerned. So while technology, I, I am being um, shot into the realm of technology, um, um, teaching my art and interacting with, with youth. Um, and that provides me a lot of avenues mm. to explore. Um, how am I going to teach them? When am I going to Zoom? Can I use PowerPoint presentation? Right. What about using, you know, um, YouTube videos and it's, it's right there and, and thinking about how um, art plays a huge role in um, keeping 
the youth engaged at this time. Yes. Um, I'm also, um, I'm, I'm concerned because some people have a phone, some people have a laptop, some people uh, have two computers. And right. so this variance of um, um, access mm -hmm. is one that uh, I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna, I'm really going to fight for and the, and also the shifting of um, children from the public um, public schools into private schools um, mm -hmm. forcing teachers to go into a classroom before uh, things are really set in stone and, mm -hmm. and health um, situations are provided for everyone mm -hmm. um, yeah it's all a, it's it's a big concern. So I, I just want everyone to wear a mask mm -hmm. and go into public and um, know that they're keeping children out of school. Mm. It's a really uh, important thing to, to sit with, the consequences of our choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, Dairene, uh, you and I have had conversations about the role technology is playing in your life as an artist these days. So um, please share with us a yeah. bit more about that. Uh, well, I, I have been able to um, get all the equipment that I need to, to start working for, from home and recording as well. It is a process because there are different contacts and different connections that, that I need to have but I am in the process of it and I'm learning to record myself. And um, it, it is just an amazing experience. And just to talk about technology and what you were talking before about systemic racism, it's just amazing that now mm -hmm. it's, it's just a very interesting time. We can see everything. There is nothing hidden anymore. And uh, it is amazing how so many people are coming together from different races and supporting um, the fact that, that, yes, that they understand and think that things need to change. Yeah. And, um, it is also interesting for me and also very frustrating that sometimes I have to get away for, for a while from the social media because I just my blood pressure comes up and I'm like, no, this mm -hmm. is not okay. Um, mm -hmm. It's just like in these times that we can see everything. Like it's right there on our phones. We can see the reality. We can see the truth of what is going on still so many people decide to put it like to to blind themselves into the truth and just keep supporting something that is not real it's like mm -hmm. for me it's like um I, very hard to believe that still that is happening in front of our eyes and mm -hmm. some people decide to believe in it just because they're taking benefit on it just because they haven't been paying taxes for the last three years then they just want to support something that is not true and um, the thing is that yeah that's okay you're not for example so many people haven't been pay paying taxes for three years because they their income is uh, greater than seventy five thousand dollars or something like that and um and I say to myself, okay, that, that is, you are, you know, you're happy about that. But when you think about it, uh, who is paying the taxes then in this country? The people who doesn't have enough, then we are the ones supporting everything else that, you know, that the, tax, the taxes get paid and things like that is like, uh, there's a point like 
yeah, you want things for yourself. You want um, to, 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 um, you know, to, to grow spiritually, mentally, financially, but you also need to have a sense of respect for other people and a sense of um, that you were all human and we're all living in the same nation. And it's so important to also think of other people. You know, it's like, it just doesn't make sense for me. So many things that are going on and that makes me sad. Mm. Those are people that you know they support me. They some they go to my shows and uh, and when I just go to Facebook a little bit, I just get all these messages from everyone and talking so many things that I'm like, how are you going to do that? And these times that are so important, so critical times, and uh, some of my um, friends from like from Cuba. Um, saying that no, that there is no systemic racism, that that is not true, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. It's like, how can you say that living in this country and living in Cuba as well, where we have systemic racism all over the world, and that that's something that it needs to change. So, like, like just seeing how some people are unable to see the truth of them, themselves just because of their own benefit, it's just saddens me sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, no, I just, I'm just going to clean my apartment and try to, you know, to, to put all of the negativity away for a little bit. But then, you know, I really need to know what's going on because I have a daughter. I, I need, I support my family. I need to know what's going on with the country. Where are we going? How are we doing health wise? And um, at the beginning, I was like, we got this, like virus we got this. as a nation. We got it. We're going to be um, okay in a month or in a few weeks. And uh, as the time, I was telling you that at the beginning, I was like, uh, we took a break from the TV show that we were doing and I was home and I, I started like being very creative. I wrote a song and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to take a few days just to relax and to create more. But as I saw how everything was unfolding and yeah. all the excuses and all the nonsense and so many people supporting the nonsense that I'm like, wait a minute. And then that, you know how people say the light at the end of the tunnel, that I thought that it was closer, it got farther and farther. So I'm like, uh, wait a minute, like when, and you know, it's two months, three months, five months, six months, it's like, and we still don't know when this is gonna end. It's a little bit, you know, scary and frustrating. And um, just, I just want people to to just be sincere with themselves and and stop, thinking so much on greed. I mean, this nation from the beginning, uh, from when um, people started coming, pilgrims started coming from Europe, it was greed that got them to, to push away the Native Americans farther west and farther west. And just they just didn't care about them and they just wanted land, they just wanted more land and it was greed. And we just need to learn from those you know, from those times, we need to learn from it. And we just need to say, okay, it's good to have a little bit, but you have enough. You need to be able to share and you need to be able to let other people leave. You cannot just put your foot onto someone's neck just because you think you're superior. And it just doesn't make sense anymore. And it's, I think it's time for, for more people to come together and understand that it's it's not okay for 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 you not to pay taxes when people who have nothing are paying taxes you know it's not okay because we all need to support the system support it you know it's like it's 
it's just not okay to be just thinking about yourself. It's, it's, it's time for us to think about everyone else. And for musicians, it's very hard. You know, mm -hmm. like, some, like sometimes um, we are able to do one or uh, two um, uh, Zoom concerts, but it's not the same. It's not the same income and we still have to pay rent. We still have to pay taxes. And um, we're not very good at having musicians in general at having a good like unemployment um, records of things like that. So we, many musicians cannot depend on that because they're just doing gigs here and there and trying to survive. And it's just not okay because we don't know when we're going to be able to perform again. And, and everything is politicized. So I'm like, wait a minute, this is health. We're talking about health. We're talking about people's lives. No politics, please. Just take it away. You know, just let's feel so it's it's very intense. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean it it as I'm listening to you, I can hear the frustration and the pain uh about uh noticing this experience prolonging itself. Um and and for so many different reasons, including uh privilege, um interfering with the forward movement of, you know, health practices that keep us all safe, and and there are so many layers to these to these reflections. Uh, I was struck also by what you shared about uh, people who 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 either can't or choose not to see reality about inequities. And I, I have a question I'd like to, to ask all of you and, and, and let's, let's go, go deeply into this if we can. You know, what do you see uh, as the role of the arts in opening the world's eyes about uh, you know, these challenges of being human. Kamiko and then Tife. Um, arts, to me, arts just plays uh, a, a role in um, breaking through what we're talking about, these biases, right? Biases, I'm very interested in bias right now and how it fuels a false hope, um, how people um, can migrate toward other individuals who have the same kind of false bias in order to get through this pandemic, um, the racial injustice, um, all of the, this perfect storm of lack of medical care that we're having right now to say everything, everything's okay, it's all a hoax. Um, and people will agree. And I think that arts plays a huge role in allowing people to show true history that has been hidden. Um, uh, um, a, a lot has been said, you know, recently about Tulsa 
and this um, boom in the African-American population that were just uh, amazing merchants and how the Ku Klux Klan came in and destroyed it. And that is not in our history books. I think that that's, that's what um, this um, exciting time is, is that arts is a way to begin conversation. Um, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't want us to be seduced into thinking it's the end, but it is a, a catalyst to just uh, bringing um, issues into focus that we need to keep in the forefront mm -hmm. of everyone um, in order to, to move forward. So I think arts plays a huge, huge role in our healing processes. We must heal using the arts. Yes. Yes, the arts have uh, truly been essential uh, throughout history. Uh, I, speaking of bias, I tend to share with, with my students in our clinical training program, my bias. I, I, I feel that it is difficult, if not impossible, to learn about pain and healing without the arts. And so no matter what is our coursework, the arts are always in the mix, always in the mix. Tife, I'd like to, to hear your thoughts. Um, I absolutely um, agree with Kamiko's statements and yours. The arts are essential. They are essential to, to where we're going um, as a nation, as a world. What the arts have the ability to do, uh, particularly the visual arts and performing arts, is it, it holds a mirror up to humanity and says, look at yourself. Art not only heals, it screams at you. It yells, it disrupts, it, mm. it causes you to flinch. Um, and it causes you, as Kamika just said, to be introspective and to really think about mm -hmm. where do I fit in this color? Where do I fit in this song? Where do I fit in this, um, this, this movement? Whatever that, that, that type of art is, mm. we see ourselves, we see humanity. If you think uh, back in, uh, about this time last year, um, the Broad downtown had that wonderful Soul of a Nation. Soul of a Nation. Mm -hmm. It was just absolutely world shattering for me. And it was prophetic in a way because it was about um, protest art. Mm -hmm. From the nineteen, I think it was from the nineteen, late nineteen fifties, early sixties through the through the eighties and nineties, and seeing how um, visual arts pay, played such a big role. Whether it was, uh, we see it now um, in the creativity of the signs that are made and the posters and the now the memes. To William's point about how important and how influential modern technology has become. Um, you can't scroll a timeline without seeing some meme mm -hmm. of progress so, uh, so, so many times so artfully done because at the end of the day, 
what's the saying? You can't legislate morality. You can't legislate away systemic racism in toto. It just cannot be done to me, to Kamiko's uh, point of it not ending. However, it can be addressed. It can be um, shown in its full life. It can uncover, it can shake mm. a people. Um, and I think that's the, the importance of, uh, of visual art. So prototype, these murals that we see, how can you drive past a mural with the face of everyone from, Tra from Emmett Till to Trayvon to, to George, right. to God, oh God rest him, this one hurts so much, blessed little Elijah, and I'm trying not to get emotional. Mm -hmm. How can you drive past a mural of mm -hmm. Sandra Blind and Brianna Taylor and not feel something mm -hmm. and not feel something. So that's the, whether it's, whether it's rage, good or bad, whether you are uh, oppose it or not, it will cause you to come face to face. Art will cause you to come face to face with yourself and your beliefs and your perspective about what's happening. So it is essential. And then finally, to the, your point, Melissa, about the healing properties of it. When we were preparing earlier to come on, and I said I was sketching, you had us took us to that wonderful breathing exercise. And, but I, before that, I had been sketching because that's how I deal with my feelings of anxiety. I pick up um, a pen. I was watching um, a TED Talk with Chantel Martin. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Oh dynamic Google her. She is a phenom, yeah. uh, L. Martin, and she, she simply does line drawings. It's the most amazing thing. Um, but that's where she got started. She's a biracial Londoner, um, uh, uh, um, lesbian, uh, you know, she has all these things that society would stonewall her, particularly in the art world. And her drawing was her savior. Her mm -hmm. drawing, her pen, just taking a pen and drawing a line saved her. And that's the power of art in this time. Yes, 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 yes. You know, I, uh, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to work with artists because I, um, serve as one of, of the clinicians at California Institute of the Arts. And to be in conversation with artists has been such an amazing learning experience for me uh, to hear an artist speak about their life experience in the language of their art making and the healing that they have um, found in, in that process is just uh, heartening. So the power of the arts cannot be denied, cannot be denied. William, you, you had some comments to share. Yes, thank you. Well, and great insight so far too, I wanna say. Um, it's true, you know, we know, we hear the saying all the time, art uh, reflects reality. It is a mirror, uh, as Faye pointed out, of uh, what is happening now, uh, but also not just what's happening, but what people are thinking and feeling inside. 
And I, I would go even farther than that. I would say that art is, you know, it's something to heal with. It's something to learn with. It's something to express yourselves with. It's an incredibly versatile resource. And one thing I've noticed just from my own experience with film and television and all the, you know, countless hours of content I've poured over is you, you do start to notice patterns where major issues, societal issues are concerned. Um, I only just recently started uh, watching the series Mad Men, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of you know about. It was a huge hit at the time, but it's, that was 2007, so it's been a little bit now since it came out. But that show, to me, it, it, it offers a couple of things. One, it's a fascinating time capsule into the culture of America in the 1960s. But even if it's not historically accurate, per se, even when you're watching a period piece like Mad Men or, or a historical epic, um, you know, about another, another part of, of history, by being able to read between the lines and really think about not so much is this accurate to the time, but just what are these people saying? You know, what are the ideas that they're expressing? How are they reacting to adversity and to, uh, to pain? That, it, that can be an extremely insightful experience because you start to see how people over time have constantly been struggling and fighting these battles you know, literally and, and metaphorically on all fronts against these, these terrible issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know for me that uh, I, some of us, we like to watch movies, you know, to escape reality, to, to go to a place where nothing is the matter. Uh, and maybe we'll, you know, talk some more about that later on. But for me, I think one of the best ways you can uh, help do your part to instigate the change now is use film, use media, well, not media news, but just, you know, visual, visual art of any kind as a way to educate yourself on, on the, the nuances and the, the diversity of reactions and emotions to these, to these issues. Because I'm, I'm reminded of something I saw also in a TED Talks about a man who um, used to be part of the uh, neo-Nazi skinhead movement in America, but who stopped, who changed and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, is now speaks out against it every chance he can get. But he described the, the turning point was when he was working at a store, a record store, and a young, uh, young black boy came in and was ordering some music and just talking with him. And the boy told him about how one of his family members had cancer. And it was in that moment that the, the you know, when he was still a member of the movement that this um, man felt that first instance of empathy towards a person who up till this point had been a member of this group that he had been working actively to oppress and harm and be very, very cruel towards. And so all it takes that my, my takeaway from his story was that all it takes is one instance where you as a person are able to connect emotionally to something that is outside your comfort zone, outside your cultural familiarity. Mm. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, it's not about whether or not you're trying to change or if you're dealing with issues of racism inside yourself. It's simply about uh, increasing your perspective and learning 
learning to be more than you are. Yeah. And art is, in a, art is, no question, art is so easy to access. It's, there's endless ways that you can do that now with technology. Film, audio books, you know, pictures, art museums, uh, songs, music, like what Darren was talking about. And all it takes is one instance where you feel really, really connected to something that is of a different culture or a different mindset. And just like that, you are, you are now part of this greater consciousness that is shifting towards a more connected, uh, you know, a more connected society that embraces and respects difference rather than uh, pushes against it. So as I'm listening to you, William, uh, the ideas that uh, connection can invite us to reflect on, you know, that, that moment of connection, like you said, connection being a, a key word, uh, allows us to expand our perspective, not only about uh, others, but definitely ourselves. And, and you know, I, I, should, I should say this is one of the reasons um, this, this conversation, uh, I hope, stimulates reflection because reflection supports us in that process of broadening our perspective, uh, catching a panoramic view of a situation rather than remain in the tunnel vision of agitation. So I am I'm thankful to hear you mention connection and how the arts can lead us into, into that experience of, of connection um, for, for, for healing, for healing. Um, and, and that community is such a, a, a big part of this. In connection, we have a, a sense of community. We're social beings. And so uh, connection, I mean, like water for soup, essential to the healing. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of, of you, Kamiko, because of the work that you do in theater of the oppressed and theater of the optimist that, you know, invites us into a sense of community and envisioning uh, shifts as a community. Please share some more about, about this. Um, well, as you, as you were speaking, um, and this idea of being um, collective, I guess, or coming to the collective uh, inspiration to move forward. Um, what comes to mind is just uh, the simple act of actually unpacking mm -hmm. what a photograph or a picture means to people um, in a group. Because, uh, and, and I, I speak, to this because I think about individualism and our individualized experiences becoming the collective. And so when we go into a museum or something and we see this art, 
uh, we take it in um, and we know that people who are in the museum are also there because they want to learn and they want to be enlightened or they they hear music because they want to be enlightened and hear the emotion coming out of, of pieces that will change their um, perspective and add to their perspective. So they're, they're lifelong learners. And um, the, the theater of the oppressed or... Um, theater of the optimistic is all under a participatory practice. And so what I, what, what I love is um, in working with that practice is that it's the process that it focuses on as we then get to uh, a final product, but, and it is um, multi-hierarchical so that we really want to level the input of individuals in order to, um, or you know, value the contributions of everyone in order to get to the final project. There isn't the director um, as it is in, um, I think, Western, um, Western, Northern European uh, um, creative, creative as, um, aspirations and things like that. It, it needs to be done by the community. So it can be done by everyone. And I think it goes back to what Tifei was um, implying, this idea of sparking, um, this idea of shaking things up within the community and, and gaining allies and saying, I feel shook up too. Let's do something about it. So when we see that... Um, now black lives matter and people lying on the ground in mass um to experience eight minutes of not being able to breathe um that is aesthetic space being used by everyone in the community this collective feeling of but it is art at the same time to see everyone come together and it's emotional yes. because we've taken the time to share that space with everyone. Mm -hmm. So they, um, and it keeps the urgent issues. These ideas that um, I say trauma, right? We, we are in trauma uh, in our communities now and mm -hmm. that's our starting point and the theater of the oppressed helps to keep that in the forefront what communities are feeling mm -hmm. and let it be expressed nonviolently to uh, the masses, but also gaining input from everyone. Yes. Um, gaining input from everyone is so important at this time. And um, I think the formation of committees right now, that's the starting point. We did that after Rodney King. Mm -hmm. There are still spaces, for instance, in South Los Angeles that have never been redeveloped. There were promises made, and then there were promises broken. And we moved on to something else. So this momentum that Tufay was talking about, or this idea that, um, um, that we need to go beyond that and keep it moving is, is so important to get to... Um, a dream and that's also what the practice is about is to get to a realistic 
world or a dream, a globalized thought process that, that does end racism, that does allow people to live together um, through truth that is brought about by art, through art. Yeah. Well, uh, in, in terms of the arts can, can move us through difficult times, I am curious also about the experience of being an immigrant, uh, not only because I am, you know, but so many people in my life are. And in this group, uh, I would like to consult with, with you, Dating, um, both of us Latinas, immigrants, with a particular relationship with the arts in our countries of origin. I'm from Panama, you are from Cuba. And I'm wondering how that has uh, contributed to your, your life, to your wellness, um, how have the arts sustained you um, in this process of going through crisis outside of our countries? Mm -hmm. Well, art um, art records history. It mm -hmm. has has done it from um, from since the beginning of of, of the of times, and it's always like that. And and with my life, it's the same thing. My my life is recorded and in songs and paintings and poems that I have written. And um, it, it, is, it, it is amazing um, how um, we do that, all the nostalgia of, uh, nostalgia of leaving uh, uh, my country, my family, everything, the culture, the language, everything behind and just come to a country and, um, and meeting so many wonderful people and, uh -huh. and people that open their, their lives their, their, to me without knowing me and trusted me without knowing me and they're still my best friends and it's just amazing how how life works and and we can record everything and and, and the music that we make and we do it all the time we express that every time that we perform because it just comes out of our of, of our bodies it's just like mm -hmm. that and it is just amazing how we can use art to communicate to record our history and yeah. everyone else history everything that is going on at every moment of our lives but also like William said it, it just it cannot be just that we also need to talk to people like what you're doing right now it's amazing communicate because just a conversation and the music on the, on the music store with, uh, mm -hmm. with a kid it's just changed the life of someone else. It's changed yes. perspective for something that it was so important to them. Because mm -hmm. maybe from generations and generations, that person was taught uh, that this is the way, the right way to do. And because of their family ties, or I don't know, God knows why, they thought that those values were important. Mm -hmm. The conversation with something with someone changed everything right away and mm -hmm. changed his heart as well. So we use art and art, art have, have been used um, the whole time. And uh, we can see the beautiful music and the horrible images of the Holocaust and, and the, um, all the 
great movies and amazing masterpieces and the sadness and the horror um, mm -hmm. behind them and everything is you know reflected in art but it cannot I would this is such an important moment that I would I I don't want it to end just like that in a, in, a, in a mural just in a piece of music and us talking about art we need to keep going like like you was were saying we need to keep going keep uh, talking to people like mm -hmm. pulling their hearts out and telling them what we feel so people can understand and um, and really make it, make a change and end what what is just overdue for so long it just needs uh -huh. to end. and the thing the beautiful thing is that it happened here in us but as well other countries were responding why is that because there's systemic racism everywhere everywhere racism in cuba everywhere uh -huh. and people is like no there's no racism in cuba i'm like yes Yes, everywhere is like that, and we need to end that. There's disrespect for 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 black women. There are black women hurting, and and why is that? Well, because many people don't want their children to go, what to go through the things that they went through, so they might marry someone lighter or someone who's just so they don't go through the same things that they went through. We were talking about the documentary Dark Dark Girls, Girls mm -hmm. daughter. And it's just amazing. The first one and the second one, I loved it because it's just so many truths that it just needs to come out. And we, yes. Yes, we need therapy because we're hurting and we've been hurting for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes we lie. We say, we're okay and I can handle that. And I, no, we need therapy. We need to talk. We need to open our hearts that are, you know, in pain. Yes. Because otherwise, that's, you know, some some of my insecurity comes from that. My mom was a theater actress. She is here with me and I take care of her. She was a theater actress in Cuba. And all through her life, we were talking a few days ago and she was kind of sad and just talking about her life. And she was, she had been trying and trying and trying and how hard have been. And while we were talking about it and I'm like, mom, look at this opportunity you had look at this amazing opportunity you had look at this opportunity you had to be the director of the you didn't take it and why because of her own insecurities mm -hmm. the own systemic racism that lets you know you're not enough you cannot mm -hmm. do this. you are not able to do this because of your facial exp uh, you know your, your the way your face look because of your skin color and all of these is just unconsciously stopping us from doing so many things and yes. therapy to heal. To yes. Heal. And then other people also need to understand our pain so they can open their minds. And like that man in the, that music store say, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I need to stop this nonsense. Yes. Hopefully what happens soon and all these hate and all this government craziness is just leading and taking all of our emotions out and that's why these you know revolution of emotions is going on right now and i hope i really hope that it's for a change and i really hope that that the end of systemic racism and and colorism and and you know just the the hate for others in general will stop soon well, you know, I'm with you, and I'm 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 with you in that uh, sense of we are in a revolution, emotionally having a revolution, not just uh, in the in the uh, 
experience of going out in the street and screaming, uh, internally a revolution is happening and it's necessary so that uh, we can move forward with this healing. And I will submit the healing uh, is not only for the oppressed, but also for the oppressor, because uh, these ideas that have moved from one generation to another, causing pain in the lives of the oppressed, such as in, in colorism, like you were talking about, Daideng, where we would, would internalize a belief that a uh, 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 lighter complexion means that we're better. This is, is, is you know, taking in these, these uh, uh, beliefs imposed by the oppressor. And then there's a survival component in, in trying to move that belief forward. You know, at the same time, you know, the oppressor is surviving their fear, their fear as well, you know, of discovering that whatever they've been telling themselves to sustain, to justify their actions uh, is not true. And it's not going to match the so-called moral values that, that they have. It's been going on for centuries. And, you know, all of us in this group, we've had these conversations. William and I, being clinicians, have had this discussion many, many times. You know, what the oppressor needs to unpack and what oppressed peoples of the world also need to unpack. There's so much. There's so much. One thing uh, I, I would add that has been part of our conversations is that um, we need to take responsibility for our healing. And the arts are supporting us in that process. For that, I am so thankful. And I appreciate that you all have been here willing to share your thoughts, your feelings about how the arts sustain us, the arts can move us forward so that this current experience uh, creates a shift in our world. I wanna thank all of you for being here. Um, and so let's keep going. Let's keep moving forward. Thank, thank, you. For, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.